and welcome. Well, welcome to the TOVG <laughs> podcast. We're right. really good at doing intros here on the TOVG podcast, which is why we have in the studio Jimmy Belikoff and Matt Visual. Got it. Yeah. First try. For for people who don't know, I actually just uh, swapped it up one one attempt ago. But now we're good. We're good. We're going to use nope, this first take. first try. It Matt was Belikoff. definitely yeah. first try. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, what I just said was totally a lie. We got it right the first time like we do every time here on the TOVG podcast, which is now brought to you by... Dollar Shave Club. So, uh, finally got a sponsor on the show. What? This week's episode is sponsored by Dollar Shave Club. Um, so you can head to dollarshaveclub.com slash tribes, it's T-R-I-B-E-S, and you can get a month membership for any of their razors, even the most expensive one, for a dollar, free shipping, no commitments, you can cancel anytime. Uh, we do get a monetary kickback from that, uh, because they're sponsoring us, so it helps support the show, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, uh, during the break, but for now, we got some video games to talk about. Shave that bush. Such a good vanity URL. (laughs) Um, I'm really happy they let it, they let us use slash tribes. Yeah, especially because it's like probably not even good for SEO. <laughs> like, no, it, I mean it should be TOVG, but tribes is just more fitting. It's you know? not in the title. It's not in the description. Like, we break the rules for you guys here on the TOVG podcast. <laughs> we should honestly just start calling ourselves the Tribes Cast. So, I wonder if I wonder if high res would get mad about that though. Uh, speaking probably of. Not. of <laughs> people getting mad okay i i'm doing a video this week uh about the wii u called a eulogy for the wii u about how dead the wii u is but how great the wii u is and oh my God, um, please please i hope that by eulogy it's just like you like capital u oh hyphen l-o-g-y oh, i didn't even think about that but now i'm gonna steal your idea thanks jimmy yeah. god you're so, full of, you're so full of good ideas <laughs> so sorry go on i blitzed through a bunch of uh wii u games i've never bothered to play yet and one of them uh-huh. was xenoblade chronicles x and mm. i hated it oh my god i hated every single minute of about the hour i played of this game except i don't know i didn't hate the character creation screen in the first cutscene. but after that was done like everything about this was was super far out of my alley it, it wasn't even, like, in the same city as my alley. Yeah. I mean, I've never been into... What, what were the original ones called? Xenogear? Xenogear Saga? Xenogear, yeah. I, Xeno like, stuff. I've never... I didn't know anything about them until Shulk hit Smash. Um, so, like, I don't have any context, but I've heard that Xenoblade is, like, a big action jrpg kind of thing and i also heard that like the whole main dealy with getting your like gundam ass mech thing doesn't even happen to like 20 or 30 hours into the that's game that's way too damn long and that's, that's the vibe i was getting from the first hour and a half i played was just everything was taking way too damn long there were tutorial cutscenes that would go on for like seven minutes minimum just basically explaining stuff that would be better walked through by the player themselves like and, and a lot of just like aesthetic decisions in this game make no sense one of which is that there's a big hub city in the middle of the map called new los angeles that does oh. not look like los angeles it I, well, it's the new one, George. I know, obviously. But, but you'd think there'd be like some thematic coherency to to naming a sci-fi future city built out of giant gray metal cubes 
after a, a sprawling Californian metropolis that's that's made out of cheap houses and mm-hmm. uh, the, the the occasional Hollywood landmark. But yeah, and like I, eight towers. It it there's like not that many skyscrapers in LA. Naming naming a, a a sci-fi future video game city that's supposed to be like one enviro pod in the middle of a dangerous alien world, New Los Angeles is something that really struck out to me as like a weird aesthetic choice that probably only seems cool to Japanese people who probably don't know how lame Los Angeles is. No offense. Um <laughs> no, it's pretty lame. There's also like freaking ugly ass character models talking with their faces at you through the whole game it has it has a a parody it's a it's an anime style that's so grossly and ugly anime that it seems like almost a parody of 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 the kind of stuff people talk shit about when they talk shit about anime art styles like if you um get on google image search and type in xenoblade Chronicles X Lin Lee spelled L Y N L E E. You'll see a character who is a, a tiny thirteen-year-old girl who often wears very little clothes whatsoever. Oh wow! But okay. her eyes like take up half of her forehead. They they uh. they cover the character model that is like a, a sphere with like spherical shading on 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 the corners of the spherical ball that is her face with these two just like eye decals glued on covering so much space that it looks like uh it looks like what you see when 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 you occasionally see screenshots posted on message boards pausing on like all the bad frames of anime animation yeah. Except this character looks like the bad frames of anime animation throughout the whole game. Is it really hot in this universe? Like really hot all the time? I I, I, I don't know. I don't think there was a temperaturometer I mean, right? on your HUD, even though there was everything else they could possibly stamp on your HUD. If it's LA, then it's summer all the time. So you know that's true. This is appropriate LA attire. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. There you go. There's there's your in-game universe lore explaining. <laughs> it, it's because she breathes through her skin. All right, game theory. Oh yep. my god. She breathes through her eyeballs. That's why they're so big. <laughs> um yeah, it, you said she's 13. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm going to close this gosh, search. Let me close this window. Uh so so besides that being weird, there's also combat that's not really very good. It's uh arranged like MMO combat where characters seem enemies seem to be able to slap the air that might be like 10 to 12 feet away from you but the attacks uh, but will it's... still hit numbers that are red that are damaging your character will still come out but you won't mm. really know from which enemy that damage is coming from and thus where to to focus your party's effort on what enemy they should be focusing on and it's like like a really really strange way of of visually depicting combat in a single player game where where you have like a, a beautiful looking clean open field world but the hud has every possible little number they could stamp on it except the ones that seem important like which enemy is this red number my character has floating above them that's subtracting hp points from their hp pool actually coming from and and maybe like later on in the game, after after playing it enough time to go through the tutorials and understanding it, I would be able to like figure out incredibly basic information like that. But after the hour and a half I was giving it, it just seemed like it wasn't happening. For for some other reason, your character also has a really really slow turning radius where where you push the stick in a direction and 
and they just like think about turning in that direction. And maybe <laughs> if you hold the stick in that direction for one and a half seconds, they finally will start turning in the direction. But it, it, it controlled a lot like uh, pre-patched Witcher 3 where mm. where navigating your character through cluttered indoor spaces was really really tough to do at least thankfully this time the whole game's in like a big open world blob map which is another thing that like just <laughs> houses it further away from the george zone uh i'm not going to talk about that one in the video though so that's what i talked about in the podcast i also played <laughs> good wii u games that are good zombie u is yeah. real good don't know if you guys are playing zombie say... u but it's 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 the pinnacle it's it's real close to being the ideal george game i I was gonna say if you if you talked that much shit about xenoblade chronicles x in your video video would probably have quite a big dislike bar i think it has a very fierce fan base so yeah i don't know i I mentioned this on twitter and everyone was like yeah george you stick it to him it's you talk shit about the bad game people really like the first one the game that everyone likes but you that, that's gonna be what's gonna happen no no people yeah. like the first xenoblade chronicles and then uh. it seems like like when they tacked the x onto the name that's where the mm-hmm. line was drawn into into negative reviews and negative opinions thus being the norm and i still have uh, not played we, uh, the first one can i just put out there that we really need to get over this shitty naming conventions thing i didn't know that chronicles and chronicles x were even different games or that two of them existed huh just like give it a subtitle xenoblade xenoblade chronicles colon something 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 there you go it's already differentiated 2015 and it looks like a xbox 360 game i mean it is fine actually no the cutscenes are not it's looking a little rough the cutscenes are looking a little rough yeah, but the map like the looks slow fine. turns and pauses. Uh, I don't know, but I—I I mean, I haven't played it, so I—I I can't really talk smack. I—the I, only I, thing I've, you know, even touched with Xeno Universe is Xeno Gears back on PlayStation, which I quite liked as a kid, uh, especially the beginning mm. phase. So you know, um, but that's pretty much it. I haven't even touched this new stuff. Yeah, it's it's one of those series that's hard to keep track of just because of the naming convention and also because it's uh, like like a lot like the Tales of games or the whatever sagas. They kind of really, really run the gamut of the top and both the bottom trough of double A or single A Japanese development. It's not... It's not like Final Fantasy where you have a series full of stupid names and stupid numbers, but all the games are generally at least pretty good. Mm. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles is something that people have always seemed to talk high about. Xenogears on the PSX. On the other hand, there's the Xenogears sequels on the PS2 that seem to start strong but fizzle out. And and I guess now you have Xenoblade Chronicles and then Xenoblade Chronicles X with one of them being the good one and one of them being the the anti-George game. And you got Xeno's Saga, which I think I played one of them way back in the day. Yeah. I, I I had a lot more fun using bullshit controller gimmicks to smoosh zombies. Yeah, I it's isn't it just so weird that like possibly the only game that anybody ever references when they're like, wow made really good use of the Wii U gamepad as a separate screen is fucking Zombie U. 
the like the first game that came out on the console. I've played the demo on the eShop a lot, and I've loved it every single time. I finally sat down to play the real full game, and I loved every minute I had with it. Why does it have a 77 on Metacritic? Uh, probably, I mean, I would chalk that up to, like, you know, zombie game, kind of. I think we're, most of us are done and passed with that, especially on the Wii U, which is a more kid-friendly console being Nintendo M-rated game on launch. Kind of silly, but like, Both of I don't those think are it's superficial reasons. Game. Well, which is most of a very superficial site. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll have to see how it ends. Maybe it has a bad ending or something that leaves a bad taste in your mouth, but like the first, I think I played through a good half of it at this point and it's, oh, it's strong. It's been going real strong the whole time. I like even even beyond the controller gimmicks to just like base game design. It it plays like like Dark Souls with guns. But this mm-hmm. came out in like 2012, just a year after Dark Souls. So they like must have really either taken their time or come up with some of these ideas on your own. You leave messages for other players, but instead of like picking from a pool of words, you pick from a pool of symbols and like draw them little <laughs> emoji hieroglyphics on the wall that you see with your black light that you move around with the Wii U gamepad. So I I almost like that that better. It, it feels like a message system that makes more sense uh, in terms of conveying what sort of tracks the what sort of traps and what sort of uh, treasures the player can look for in secret areas, which are there, just like in Dark Souls. There's like little secret nooks and crannies. <laughs> I, I showed a friend the game for an hour, and he like found stuff I didn't know was there, and I was like, wow. And uh, <laughs> I I really like the stuff they're doing with the level design the message system for for leaving messages across the universes to other players uh the the like roguelike you die and then your corpse turns into a zombie that your next character has to go and kill to get your stuff back like that's a dark souls retrieval system basically but you have to fight yourself oh how it's (laughs) it's not as dramatic as you would think so much as it's just like oh cool i have to make a retrieval to make back lost progress and, yeah, uh, I always thought that was a neat idea. Yeah, like like the more uh, the longer your character lives and the better stuff they have on them, they turn into a more powerful zombie. So it's like you're you're wondering in the back of your head, like how long you should be keeping your guys alive for even <laughs> this. It's also uh, got systems in it where we're goofing off can actually make legit strategies like there's flares you can throw that distract zombies away from you and they rush towards the flare there's also grenades so you can like throw a flare have them group around the flare then throw a grenade at the crowd that's grouped around the flare there's mounted turrets occasionally that seem like they're placed in really useless spots until you remember oh i have flares i can group zombies into the line of sights of these mounted turrets if i want to clean them up real quickly or you can just walk past them and and still be fine if you if you want to if you want to just conserve your equipment and not have to deal with that shit. Uh, and then when I gave it over to a friend, he got really weird with it and started stacking physics objects into doorways to, like, block the zombies out of certain rooms. And it <laughs> all sorts of weird stuff like that just works as intended. Huh. Why, why, why the hell did people... Why, 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 why does it have a 77 on Metacritic? It's, it's, it's good stuff. I mean, you know, to be fair, if we were to look at the, the rating system actually what from what it meant like one to ten or one to 100 like 77 is a pretty goddamn good score yeah and i don't know this is a case where where i feel i feel the unreasonable fanboy burn at at this 77 
because mm-hmm. I've been having more than 77% fun with uh, with this game so far. And he's had like a cool little local multiplayer mode that was actually like really fun and tense where, where one player spawns in hordes of zombies with an RTS map that, uh, that, that tries to capture flags while the other player is a survivor on the TV screen where they run across the map trying to to kill zombies and capture flags. The stipulation being that zombies are really slow, awful monsters that are super easy to kill, but there's not a lot of ammo to kill them with. So so the zombie master has has like resources. They have a certain amount of money that they can only buy certain zombies with, and both players have to be smart with when and where they choose to to make their moves. And there's huh. there's like actual depth and strategy to it that's really easy to convey to the gamepad player and like it got to a point where where me and my buddy were like at first we loaded it up and we were like oh this this just seems like a stupid tacked on mode we'll play once but then once we figured it out a couple matches later like we stopped talking and just concentrated and like kept going (laughs) again and again for an hour and didn't even notice the time go by it's real good stuff like like literally one of, if not the the best games on the Wii U, specifically yeah. because of how well it makes it makes use of the system's gimmicks. Right. So so if you if you don't hear enough of it from my video this week, you'll hear it here. Like like I I I would love it if more people started appreciating Zombie U more. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get. Well, no, never mind. I was gonna say maybe we'll get zombie switch but like the switch Oof. doesn't work like that so yeah. never mind yeah yeah you you look at your backpack you keep... with your eyes off of the screen i know it's so zombies cool still it's such a novel concept sneak up on you on the main screen you can move the camera on the main screen with the gamepad's analog stick and like try to line them both up just to keep your eye on any point where someone might sneak up on you while your eye is on the other screen like, uh, you know what would have been you know what would be great for that? Mm-hmm. Mash that concept into Dead Space 1. Yes. Just like I love the gameplay of Dead Space. And the uh, uh like, like in-universe UI stuff going on. Yeah, and instead of making the thing pop up in like a menu in front of him, you could just make Isaac like look down. Same thing. So like so you don't have a view of your surroundings, that'd be great. I think that would work really well <laughs> in that game. So they for some reason I could have sworn they made a port of one of the Dead Space games on the Wii U, but I'm looking it up now. I don't think they did. You just got Dead Space Extraction on the Wii One. That's yeah. I think if any, if there was any one they were gonna make, it'd be three. But I'm glad that that didn't pan out because fuck Dead Space Three. Uh, I was thinking a lot of Watch Dogs Two when I was playing through the Wii U. Like how how much more sense uh, juggling your multiple camera angles with your multiple drone cams would have made sense there with the gamepad. But no, the gamepad is something that the universe has just decided uh, 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 that we weren't ready for, apparently, even though like every game I played on it that makes good use of it has been super duper fun, quality, good time. Yeah. Not that there weren't games that tried. Splatoon used it pretty well. Having your yep. map there to jump to people real quick was good. Also, and I'm motion like, aiming. Yeah, I, yes. I think that Splatoon sold me on gyro completely. But, like, like I'm specifically with the screen usage, um, I'm, like, kind of not looking forward to Splatoon 2 and having to pop up your map on the screen to jump to people. Um yeah. As opposed to, you know, being able to have your little handheld screen just do it real quick. Gamepad saves you time. It saves you clicks. Yeah. At the same time, some tried it like Star Fox Zero and like 
Well, was was Star Fox Zero when the uh, when the cancer started to spread? Oof. Oof. I think that's when people sort of. Jesus. I don't know. It was an it was an attempt, but it was an ill ill advised attempt. It's like one of those things that it's like, oh, on paper, that's a good idea, and then in execution, you're like, wait a minute, no, 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 this is completely not a good idea. Actually, it's backwards. Well, I don't know. I uh, didn't consider that because I hadn't played it. But maybe if I did, the Wii U's demise would make more sense to me. Would have been neat if we got like, I don't know, a Metroid Prime or something. Oh, my God. The Metroid Prime ports they made for the Wii, though, that they then put on the Wii U. They make so much sense. Oh, I think I mentioned it before. But but the PC Gamer article where they they play a bunch of Dolphin games in VR uh, uh, there's footage of them playing the Metroid Prime Wii ports with that, and it makes so much sense. Yeah. You move your visor with your head-mounted display VR visor. You move the uh, 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 little little gun arm with the actual Wii uh, hooked up via Bluetooth to a dolphin bar. Like, you basically can play the Metroid Prime trilogy in VR with VR-ready controls if you want to. Because there are some Wii and Wii U games out there that were just ready for the universe before the universe was ready for them. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, Matt, you play anything this week? <laughs> um, uh, I am the worst member of the TLVG podcast. Um, okay. He's so, the worst member of the, the TLVG crew. <laughs> well, all right. So I actually did try to play something when I had like a couple hours of free time when I wasn't, uh, I was going to say balls deep in some J-Pan footage. Um, mm. But uh, I was playing Braid. Okay. I wanted okay. to give it a chance again because uh, I was on, I was catching up on some no clip. Um, and was watching Jonathan Blow talk about The Witness, and I was like, you know what? I I enjoyed The Witness. Like, let me see if I could go back, because I, I tried Braid before, and I didn't really get into it at mm-hmm. all. Like, I it's, I don't know. It just, something's like, I don't want to play this again. Um, So I played it now, and the first two worlds was, I was like, okay, all right, I, I kind of get into this, and then like the third world gets really, really hard, <laughs> really hard, and is I can't. The, uh, is that the shadow one? Um, I guess it's sh- should I say world four? Sh- should I say world four because you start at world two? It, right. Um, it, I'm just trying to know which which mechanically that the, the that one, one is. The, the world four is when you move, the world moves. Oh, mm. right, right. So when you're walking to the left. Time goes backwards and you're walking to the right. Time goes forwards. And I want to complete it. I don't want to move ahead unless I complete it. And some of these puzzles are just tough, frustrating. Man. Like it breaks. Worlds four, five, brain. and six are ugh, world. World six especially, but four, five, and six have some like some tough, just just like brain bending puzzles. And I I know like. I guess you could kind of just skip some of these puzzles, I, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to finish the damn picture. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know? Um, and uh, I hit that I hit that wall again. I think it's the same exact wall I hit years ago when this came out. 
I was just like, and I, I got into the story a little bit more and I actually really wanted to finish it. But I, I felt like I, I was missing part of the struggle if I didn't mm. actually complete the puzzles. And I, because well, it's so it, much it, of what Jonathan Blow tries to do in his games. It's not just the game. You know, he has some type of like thought behind things. And I like mm. that. Um and I, I feel like I, I'm not experiencing it if I just skip some of this stuff. And I don't know. Uh, you tell me since you've you played a ton of it. Well, um, I will. As far as I remember, I will say I don't think you can progress to the actual ending of the game unless you do everything. Oh, oh, um, Wait, no, no. That's just like the secret ending. There's no secret ending in Braid. But but you still can get a credits roll with a satisfying, wacky conclusion just by beating the last level without doing optionals. You can't get to the last level. You can't unlock the ladder to get up unless you beat every world. I think, I think what I want to say is that, <laughs> you, Matt, you will still be satisfied and still get it without actually 100%ing it. I, I think what I, I, I I'm going to look here. Excuse my typing. Because <laughs> I need to look this up. I'm almost positive that you can't get up to the ending section of the game unless you unless you beat all the worlds with all the puzzle pieces. And, 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 and to be fair, I didn't sit there for an hour trying to figure out a one puzzle. Like if I couldn't figure it out, I just moved on. And I, I know I'm supposed to, like, I just don't feel like sitting there for a long period of time trying to figure it out because some of these puzzles are, like, literally, like, holy crap. Like, I, like, I got to really, like, I don't know, think in the third person or something. There's something crazy going on. The sacrifice a chicken. I, did, I'm, I'm assuming, did George, did you did you finish it without completing every single puzzle? I, I think I remember finishing it without completing every single puzzle. And then, I'm trying like, to find it right now. A few days later, I looked up what happens when you get every puzzle, and I was like, oh, that's an alternate ending that I shouldn't worry about. Mm. Okay. And, and that's how I remember it going, at least. Yeah, I, maybe maybe I'll give it a try and try to get yeah. through it. I think there might well, be a couch co-op thing where I've, I had you know, another a person dudes. with me. Okay, yeah. I, that I, I might did not. Be. I could not. Would not do it by myself. Yeah, it, it's a little frustrating. Like you want someone else to like, you know, like feel your anger too. Like yeah, this game sucks. Blah, blah, blah. And then you like figure it out. I'm like oh okay, that's satisfying. But also, two people going through a puzzle game seems almost the ideal way to play. So I've been looking at footage of snipper clips on the Switch. Mm. I've been watching the Grumps playthrough of it, and they're having a grand old time with it. And the whole while I was looking at this game, being like, this looks like something I would hate. Probably unless I had a friend with me because the pacing right. of puzzle games, it's like really it feels stuttery to me. Like like you you progress mm. to the next level nice and smoothly and then all of a sudden get stumped at a puzzle forever where you like almost can't even leave a room that that you reached. And, and it, it seems like a kind of situation where you got to break rules you've learned or think differently from the way it's been teaching you. And I've never really been able to adjust that well to it with Jonathan Blow games. But uh, Snipper Clip seems like it's one built for co-op to have two people there. And I've noticed that when I was playing The Witness and when I did play The Braid, things went a lot more smoothly and I had a lot more fun when I did have someone else sitting there, like, like 
looking at the picture upside down and giving me ideas that I never would have considered. Mm. And, uh, I think, I think that might be something you might want to try too, is, is, is having a friend over for a while. Cause damn it. I want to finish it. Damn it. Yeah. Braid has a super good ending too. And, um, that, that I, I, I will to, say, yeah. I, I looked it up and you, you are required to collect all the puzzle pieces across worlds two through six in order to access the ending. Now, which ending are you talking about? There's only one ending, George. <laughs> I swear there's an alternate ending where, like, you can't stuff gets really get weird. to the ending of the game unless you collect all the puzzle pieces. There is a ladder that you have to climb in the house that's blocked, and you have to complete the puzzles, the picture in each world. Okay. Before those ladders are unlocked. Okay. Riddle me this. If you go to Google okay. and type in braid endings, the first result is a YouTube video of something they call braid alternate ending plus finished constellation. That's for the stars. Are the stars what I'm actually thinking about in terms of the stuff I, you can maybe. ignore? As far as I've known, there's not an alternate ending to, bla- to braid. And if the stars get you one, I don't know it because I've never gotten all the stars. I kind of want to find them on my own. Oh my god, if you go to the video tab, I'm seeing Braid Shrew ending, Braid alternate ending, Braid eighth star ending. Okay, I will look this up off the podcast, but regardless, Uh regardless, getting to World 7 requires all the puzzle pieces. World 7 being the ending area of the game. Okay. Okay. Uh, and what I was going to say before we launched into that was it is a game where you can bypass stuff for now and go do other puzzles that might clue you in to how to, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's kind of the magic of the game is that each world is like, here's the mechanic of the world. Like it's the thing where you walk or it's the green glowy shit. And in every different door in that world, you're going to find like a different weird implementation of that. So, like, you could find one later that's not necessarily harder, it's just different, and it kind of gives you a better insight onto the mechanic, and you'd be like, oh, fuck, okay, that's ex- that's what I need to do, hang on. And then you walk all the way back, and you do the puzzle, right, and fine. But, but yeah, I don't know, I suggest skipping a little bit with intention of coming back. Mm. Yeah, me too. I think- <laughs> let let yeah. your friend deal with those. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. Like, there's that first uh, uh, optional puzzle that you don't need to beat the first level where it looks kind of like Donkey Kong. You have a series of rafters that make, like, diagonal lines. Yeah. T- I couldn't figure it out at all. Kind of put the game down for a while. A friend comes over a week later, and I'm like, hey, you want to see what Braid is like? And he was like, sure. And then we walked into that room, and he was like, wait a second, George. Did you ever try this thing that instantly solved the puzzle on his first try? <laughs> and I just kind of, like, slapped my face and was like, No. <laughs> No, no, I didn't try. Anyways. Yeah, Braid's a good game. I like it. <laughs> I'm glad you gave it a try, even if you didn't end up I, I'm gelling gonna, with it super well. Yeah, I kind of want to finish it. I, I really do want to finish it. I, I feel like it's one of those games that I played when I was younger, and I was, I don't know, I, I don't know. I felt like I I wasn't there yet. I didn't have enough brain power. But now that I have enough brain power, maybe <laughs> I can break through this this freaking mind nubbing puzzles. And I'm I'm I would say I'm decent at puzzle games. Like all the puzzle games that mm-hmm. I've played, like oh. even The Witness, I've I've done mm-hmm. a good job at The Witness. Like 
some things are like a little bit harder than others, but I've been pretty good job at that and pretty good job at some of the other ones. But for some reason, braid is just like one of those things where I'm like, well, I don't, I don't want to do it, <laughs> you know? So um, I'm going to, I'm going to break through the mold and actually finish that. But that, that is like the only thing that I've, I've played other than uh, playing footage in front of my eyes, hours and hours. Still a good choice. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably finish by next week. But yeah. Even though I don't like it as much as most people, I will concede that Braid is a good game that has done good mm. things to games. I think that's something that we can all agree on. <laughs> I like I like the subtle, almost argument. <laughs> that's what I'm <laughs> um, what have you no, played? No, I'm glad Jimmy? that you had. I'm glad that things things were said about Braid because all I played was Diablo three, and that's like not worth mentioning. Um, oh, they, they the did thing. just they did just throw out the uh, necromancer beta, which I didn't sign up for. But that means the necromancer is soon. It ain't out yet. Damn. Well, no. they're still making stuff for Di- Diablo three. Yeah, they keep doing. They have like a seasonal system, and every season, which is free by the way, all the season updates are just free additional content. You can run seasonal characters from from level one that like don't get access to your other stuff. So it's like kind of starting from scratch again, but you get bonus rewards for doing it. And uh, it's kind of neat. They added new legendary items that make your characters act all different and stuff. And now they're doing the Necromancer and they're doing the, what is it, like the Diablo 1 campaign overhaul thing cool. that they were doing or whatever. Uh, that game's about to be five years old. I'm really happy to hear that they have really stuck through it in the long term because people people were very disappointed with the initial release. Yep. I was very disappointed with the Me initial too. release. I it was like, like, it was one of those things where it was honeymoon phase, so it felt good. And then, like, after a couple of weeks of playing, I was like, this is actually kind of garbage. Yeah. Like, I'm not getting anything out of this. The new, like, they changed everything from Vanilla Diablo. The new the whole thing is, like, you can tweak difficulty very, very minutely. So they have, like, these rifts that you can do where it's, like, kind of, like, randomized, like, roguelike uh dungeons using tile sets and monster sets from the rest of the game um but like you can tweak them by very small incremental difficulties but the higher you go the better rewards you get uh but if you just want to like pub stomp it you can you know dial it back and just like have like a nice you know raffle stomp time just going through blowing people up. as bad as video games have gotten and as garbage as we are for continuing to play them can i at least say Mm -hmm. that i really really enjoy this uh new age development philosophy of oh if a game that we made and worked really hard on turns out to be something not everyone likes can we just flat remake it like they did with diablo 3 final fantasy 14 arguably yeah like rainbow six siege um mm-hmm. i mean that's like a, a case where there just wasn't enough there to keep people buying it in droves and they they really really hammered down on polishing what was there and then making enough stuff to flesh out the systems that that they only had potential hinting at and that's really cool and something that would not happen in previous generations i feel because mm. yeah, uh, like, like now there seems like there's a more profitable uh long-term um investment devs can earn from games being good later rather than now which which i don't know it seems like a double-edged sword but there's so many cases where the result is just like net positive like like yeah Diablo. and and it's interesting because Unless I'm mistaken, I mean, I don't, 
I don't think Diablo has microtransactions anywhere near it. It used to. Which is interesting. Well, yeah, it had the auction house. Um, and you could use real money in there and everything. Oof. But they, they gutted that and got rid of it real quickly because it was kind of bullshit. Yeah, it was getting, it's um, getting crazy. I think the official reason was they wanted to keep Diablo 3 console and computer experiences very similar. But I think the real actual reason was that the auction house was kind of inspiring a lot of toxicity and ungood practices amongst game people because it was farming for money. You farm for cool items and then you just sell them immediately for 200 bucks. Yeah. Um, which was a thing around launch and they were like, maybe we don't want that. But, um, like D3, like there's D3 vanilla, there's Reaper of souls, which is like a $20 expansion that has a fifth act of the campaign and a whole bunch of new shit. Uh, the Crusader class and everything, and now they're going to release the the Necromancer, and I think it's going to be ten bucks for that like mini expansion, oh. the Necromancer and the Diablo One dungeon set that they're going to add. Um, but like, no microtransactions, which is surprising, especially for a Blizzard game that usually has them kind of everywhere. Good, good job, so, Blizzard. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like Diablo Three might not be the greatest most engaging or compelling game in the world but like for a nice comfort game where you could just like do some grinding build up your character watch monsters explode like it's a very good very good experience all right uh we're gonna take a break and uh also take a uh, a fat chunk of change from our fancy new sponsors at <laughs> <laughs> at dollarshaveclub.com slash tribes stick around tribes. after the little music thing uh, we're going to tell you about our sponsorship for this week Shave and then come back with some news your wife complaining about your bush upstairs <laughs> and downstairs stop you are an eight-year-old child except with a beard dollar shave club has your solution their razors wow. provide a high quality close shave for the price of a disposable and jimmy uh we have yeah. the bathroom minutes here that me and george was looking over i think you have one too don't you is, is that the I, activity I fun book? It. the, the yeah. like scholastic times activity page that comes with your with your monthly subscription to dollar shave club yes and it if you go if you go to page two it clearly shows the guy naked okay laying and drying wow. himself in front of a fan Okay. What a great value! <laughs> so you can go downstairs. Great. I must have missed that book when I opened the thing. I guess I'll have to check that out for some light reading later. So in case it wasn't clear, uh, this is our ad for dollarshaveclub.com slash tribes, which is our link that you can go to 
and get one month of Dollar Shave Club products, Whoa. any of their razors, the two blade, the four blade, or the executive six blade, which is the one that they sent to yeah. us to test out. I just pulled it um, out and looked at it. There's there's six blades on this thing. That's, it's a pretty high-tech little razor. I, I don't know if I want this one near one of my bushes, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, regardless, uh, you can head to that link. It's free shipping, literally a dollar for any of the products, uh, any of the razors specifically. Free shipping, no commitments, cancel anytime, which means you can get this, try it out, and if you don't like it, that's fine. You paid a dollar and you got some razors, and that's that's the end of that. But um, having gotten the razor, I would say that the executive razor is easily a one dollar value, uh, <laughs> at, like super easily. But um, I have one of those shitty transformer razors you get from, you know, the, the super manly man aisle yeah, of the, the ones that products. look like toys. These, on the other hand, look like actual transformers. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say was uh, from the price point that Dollar Shave Club offers, I was expecting to maybe have a lower quality and was completely surprised to be like, wow, this is just a really good razor. Um, like not probably never buying the Transformers ones again, to be honest. So yeah. Now where I highly do you recommend buy these one dollar razors? You can buy them at dollarshaveclub.com slash tribes and get one month membership of any razor for one dollar. Free shipping, no commitments, cancel anytime. Tribes, the bush, or lack of the bush thereof. Thanks, Dollar Shave Club. Mm. Thanks. Show off your weak chin, guys. Shave that bush. Alright, are we good? <laughs> yeah. That was terrible. So we're getting into news where uh, yeah. we, we finally have an opportunity to talk about some numbers that were released actually a couple weeks ago, but we have uh, real live sales data now on the Nintendo Switch instead of uh, like vague hype statements about how it might be their best-selling console ever. As it turns oh, we're, out... we're back. Yo, oh, yeah. Yeah, as oh. it turns out, <laughs> Nintendo Switch may not actually be like up to par with the, the fastest selling Nintendo console. Well, okay, maybe fastest, but 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 right as of now, the numbers seem more impressive in the context of it launching outside of a holiday month. It's still pretty dang high. They hit 2.74 million hardware sales in March, which um does does put it in the runnings of like the top 5. On the other hand though, it's 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 like not beating the the DS's launch rate. I think they hit like 4 mm -hmm. million back, back in the holidays, back in 2004, I believe that was the year. Right. Uh, what, what I think is actually really impressive, though, is their install rate for uh, Breath of the Wild on the Switch, where they have a 100.7 attach rate. Of, <laughs> what? There's more copies of the Switch version of Zelda that have been sold than, than copies of the Nintendo Switch itself that have been sold. Oh, Which wow. means that there's a lot of people out there who are just straight up buying two of them for some reason. Or there's reason. people who are like, for a rainy day, and they just bought <laughs> Zelda yeah. to put on their shelf. Maybe. That's, uh, that's, that's very interesting. 100.7%. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Which I believe has actually never happened before and is a record-breaking statistic for the most successful launch title ever that's not a pack-in. Yeah. Because speaking oh of which, my why God. does the Switch not have pack-ins? Even even confusing. in comparison to pack-in games like Super Mario World and Wii Sports, like that still might be higher because they probably just hit a straight flat one hundred percent attach rate. <laughs> Whereas Zelda, 
is sold separately for 60 bucks and it's at 100.7. Well, good job, Breath of the Wilds. That's You're officially more popular than the console that you're on. That's that's super neato. Um, hey, isn't Nintendo, it because there's like no one can buy it? And they're just buying the game just so it won't get sold yeah, out? Yeah, it might be a predictive purchase for, yeah. for someone planning to get their Switch later on after after the storm yeah. is cleared. For uh, what it's worth regarding that problem, though, they have been uh, they have stated they're going to ramp up production and aim to ship 10 million Nintendo Switches over the next f- fiscal year, which is between March and March of 2017 and 2018. Um, for context, that, that estimate is Nintendo saying that they're estimating on outselling the Wii U in its entire lifespan in one year oh, of yeah. Switch sales. Yeah, which, which, which I think would is, be hard I think it's going to happen. To not do, actually. The Wii U right. had an awful first year and, and lifetime overall. I be, but, but I yeah. hope that we all gathered here today will we'll, we'll join us in remembering the uh, more enjoyable moments of... Oh, sorry, I just started <laughs> writing my eulogy again. Gosh, eating last week... Sipping this week? Come on, George. Got to get your foodstuffs out of the way first. Mm. So uh, that will <laughs> ultimately can't wait to isolate that audio. Thirteen million, thirteen million uh, uh, gasps of, of Nintendo Nintendo Switch consoles sold by the end of next April if they meet their predictions. So far, they have exceeded them. They uh, estimated to ship two million, which was still pretty ambitious. Ended up shipping two point seven something million. I'm sorry. I'm still thinking about that audio that I'm going to isolate later of you going. <clears throat> I just had a I'm nice, totally gonna slap satisfying all over our, sip. Our ad. Am I not allowed to have satisfying sips? Are we like I'm just saying, too formal now? I'm playing that audio like six or seven times during the uh, during the ad spot for <laughs> Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> Thanks, Dollar Shave Club. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're a little new to this brand deal thing, so we're having Good we're old, having a fun, yeah. interesting. It was our awkward first time. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> the, mm. the awkward first time. Great. Uh, speaking of awkward first times, <laughs> remember uh, hey. uh, how <laughs> presidential candidates uh, sometimes try to appeal to the youth, and it comes off a little cringy. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a presidential cam- candidate in South Korea who, uh, who who I guess is running to replace the crazy cult lady. Uh, he released a StarCraft map that has his name what? just spelled out on it in mineral deposits, and that's it. <laughs> and that's part of his official official campaign strategy to appeal to the youth. What? The guy's name is Moon Jae In. Sorry if I mispronounced it horribly, because I don't know how Korean names are pronounced. Um, and uh, yeah, he basically made a rather simplistic map that is only noticeable by his name being spelled in the Korean alphabet and mineral deposits. Uh, he he has a little YouTube video of a of a time lapse footage of him constructing the map. And uh, uh, as <laughs> far as I can I tell, people people have reacted warmly to this bold new political strategy <laughs> in order to appeal to younger demographics of voters. His There's a, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people smiling. on my Twitter who are just like, oh, yep, yep, got, guys got my vote. Don't know if they're allowed to vote in Korea or not, but yeah, <laughs> but but people who are fans of the Super Bunny Hop show that 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 speak English. For, for a show entirely 
uh, uh, written and spoken in English seem seem to like this uh, Korean political candidate who made, made a map for a Korean Korean political he- campaign actually did it himself i gotta give him a hand gotta gotta no it's not that that fancy it's just it's just he could have done it himself well i don't know it just seems weird for a presidential candidate to just take an hour of his time Mm. (laughs) drawing his name out in the game look yeah yeah in my head like i'm trying to imagine like the equivalent of like yeah like bernie or hillary right popping open like warcraft 3 <laughs> map editor and then like having a bunch of orc peons stand in like a line that just says like feel the burn hashtag feel the burn right. i mean one thing that's kind of interesting is that he uh is actually i mean he's not a pretty old guy but he's 64 years old okay so so he's not exactly in the demographic of, I don't know, maybe in South Korea it's totally different. I mean, in Japan it's totally different. You see old people at the arcades all the time in Japan. I don't know if old yeah, people I, in South Korea play StarCraft, though. Well, I mean, South Korea is like the StarCraft place, right? Yeah. Like, those are the people who do, like, live and breathe where, and where, die where StarCraft. They sell out stadiums for, for national celebrities who are professional StarCraft players. StarCraft 1 players. Not even oh, two. Yeah, I feel like that's also a point of clarification. This is a version of the map for the newly released free-to-play version of StarCraft One that uh, Blizzard Blizzard made. Yeah, which old move, Cotton. Actually, entirely skipped over on the podcast. Yeah, apparently there's a there's a free version of StarCraft <laughs> out now. So if you Neat. you don't want to plop down ten dollars or however much it probably costed because it's a game from like 1998 there's no way it could have been that expensive to buy digitally this whole time starcraft doesn't even run well on moderating on modern operating systems for that matter i always wondered how korea uh was able to uh adapt to that and, and really have it thrive when i remember when i played starcraft in like 2009 i had to uh like adjust the the color schemes in in windows vista to dis- properly display uh, oh, 32-bit colors in StarCraft, otherwise they were all inverted. Yeah, I uh, actually had to deal with a lot of similar, um, like four or five years ago, a couple friends and I tried to do like a Warcraft 3 nostalgia time and go download a bunch of custom games and just like LAN party. <coughs> and it was like a nightmare getting stuff like Hamachi to work with it and getting it even to run on our, on our uh, Vista and what was that other one? Vista and XP machines that we had at the time. But yeah, Blizzard has re-released StarCraft, a free version of it, for modern operating systems. They're also remaking StarCraft, I believe. Yeah, it's a Brood War HD update with all of the same mechanics down to, like, down to the minute detail. It's all the same, just, like, digitally remastered graphics and uh audio and it's gonna have like matchmaking and all the modern systems to make it a competitive game and at least one politician is is using these tools for political purposes so right. what, what 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 a world we live in what a weird time to be alive <laughs> speaking of remakes and remasters hmm? the bayonetta pc port has been updated with a uh cheeky little clue that a lot of fans are interpreting as being a teaser for an upcoming vanquish port uh there was a tiny 22 kilobyte update 
that they put on Steam on April 24th, in which they basically just added to the out-of-game extras folder, which is somewhere in your Bayonetta PC installation folder. Um, it's an avatar image of the main character of Vanquish. Vanquish is really good. Yeah. Should, mm. May, may want to give it a play if you haven't played it before. If not, though, there might be a Vanquish PC port incoming, because... Uh, Platinum has released a statement saying that they do have further news incoming regarding PC ports. And then they put this in, in an update in an extra folder as an avatar. People are like piecing the clues together right. and suspecting his vanquish. Yeah, oh, I guess. The, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't played. I've been wanting to play it again for a while. I, I played like the be- beginning of it years ago. So I'm I'm game. Bayonetta and vanquish. On my list. I, I remember a couple of years ago, I was thinking about how wacky and weird it would be if we got PC ports of Bayonetta and Vanquish. And now we're like halfway there, if not more so, because we do have a perfectly fine version of Vanquish, a Bayonetta on PC, and are now getting getting hints and winks and nods that, that Vanquish is going to be next. And also, they gave uh, hints and winks and nods when Bayonetta was, was coming out. They had a countdown timer and a really shitty 8-bit, like almost fan game. Uh, right. released that that I completely glossed over because I was in Japan at the time, but now now I'm there. Now I'm in it. I'm getting caught up by by a garbage hype campaign. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess this would be this this would now be a good time for people like me to be able to get into games like Bayonetta and Vanquish that were not in there. I think you would space. really like them. And, and uh, from what I see, Vanquish very much looks like my type of game. I haven't played a proper hack and slash in a while, or you know whatever you want to call them, beat 'em up, brawler, whatever. Spectacle like character action featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry series. <laughs> uh, I think the last one I properly played was Dark Siders, if you count that, or Ninja Gaiden Two. Um, I've always so, thought of Dark Siders as being more of a Zelda clone. Yeah, but it's definitely got the spectacle fighting vibe stuff. Yeah, like it's got the it's like fight mechanics from a spectacle fighter and dungeon stuff from a Zelda. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Ocarina of Cry. Uh, Devil May Time. Fun, fun <laughs> aside. Uh, my friend Scrib was reading through the Devil May Cry novelization. Fun aside. <laughs> Uh, this is okay, this is a ahead, fun sorry. aside. Not that I'm sliding the fun aside <laughs> oh, on the table oh, I, so much as I'm going on the like, side that's fun. I thought you were saying like I'm putting all fun aside for a moment. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, no we're, just, we're just having a a fun aside. Uh, okay. There's a character from Bayonetta, a minor side character named Enzo, who's really memorable. He's like a Danny DeVito Joe Pesci hybrid who like waddles around in the first and last cutscenes of both games, saying funny things in a like incredibly stereotypical Italian gangster voice. And uh-huh. and he's he's like a fun, wacky character part in, in, in getting caught up in the, the machinations of this wacky fun universe. And apparently he is in a Devil May Cry novelization from 2002. Oh. They when they they perfectly describe his character, his role, and his full name during some random passage in the middle of the Devil May Cry novelization, and now I want to do another video on game novelizations again, like just because of that. I want, I want to write a <laughs> script about that passage and see where it can go from there. 
Because that's, when did, that's uh, amazing. When did Bayonetta 1 come out? 2008. Okay, so long, long after that. Half a decade before Bayonetta came out, there were already side characters of the Bayonetta universe <laughs> being being fleshed out in the lore. Half a decade before Bayonetta came out, Platinum was already putting out previews and hints that it was going to be a PC port as, in 2017. As I slide like black and white vintage photography across the across the frame <laughs> ever hear of the bayonetta alien uh let's see bayonetta actually came out in 2009 my apologies so it was more than half a decade half and or more than that a decade ago before that game came out so speaking oh God, of that's that was eight years ago wow uh, uh things involving black and white vintage photography uh, Call sure. of Duty is bravely venturing into a refreshing, new, innovative historical period never before seen by games. Uh, uh, this this summer, the upcoming probably fall Call of Duty World War Two will uh, <clears throat> focus on glorifying the heroism of individual soldiers and squad camaraderie, showing a reverence and respect to the source material instead of sinking into popcorn munching action movie fare says a preview from Game Informer about about this brave new cinematic emotional decision mm. for mm. them to put a mm. video game in one of history's mm. most tumultuous periods mm. like really really groundbreaking stuff here you guys never before seen <laughs> that's all sarcasm Someone on my Twitter said that this was like a person with an addictive personality switching from heroin to gambling because they thought it would be refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever yeah, like, have heard someone uh, say that history is cyclical and that the same things happen over and over again, here is your proof. Yeah, we may not like who knows. We may not get World War Three with like actual Nazis. But we'll sure get World War II again and again and again in video games. Ad nauseum for the rest of our lives. I remember some some fun facts being tossed around during the glut of World War II games that lasted from like 2002 to 2006 regarding how <laughs> how like that trend lasted longer than World War II itself. <laughs> and uh, people got really tired of it. Absolutely sick of it. Vehemently, angrily. Uh, uh, poisonously ill of, yeah. of playing the same damn battles and pointing and clicking on the same Nazis over and over again and now people want that back I don't understand and it really confuses me and it makes me think that everyone is just terrible and that, that, that uh, maybe I'm think, the crazy person I think it just has to do with a, a change of setting like it doesn't have to be a new setting it's just a change of one like because we've gotten uh, future shooters for how many years and now, right? And that felt like a change of setting to me because I don't forget things from, from 10 years ago. Yeah, it's just... I think that a simple pace shift is enough for a lot of people to be like, okay, like, the thing for me that doesn't make it enough is that uh, I'm really... I'm I'm not so taken by the future setting, but I am very taken by the mechanics that inherently come along yes. with that. Because when you're doing 
these first person shooters that are semi realistic, uh, and you put it in a futuristic setting, you can have stuff like jump packs mm-hmm. and wall running, which is broad of stuff like Titanfall one and two and, um, COD advanced warfare also did a lot of that stuff. Uh, even like Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2 were still like run and gun shooters. Like the most recent ones, like I don't know if you want to count Overwatch among them, but like a lot of these futuristic games give us a lot of like fun movement mechanics, which and I think you can't helps the gameplay in a historical setting unless you're like a magic man time traveler from the future. I would play that game. No, They've not, made a not few from the of future. Them. Magic, specifically. Yeah, mm. yeah, I don't know. There were there was uh, a few, uh, like, third-person World War II action games. Like, um, oh, what was that that sandboxy one where everything's black and white and you put splashes of color on it and, and you got to see some titties if you brought the P-Order edition? Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, the Saboteur. Oh, that's right. That game went and passed, and I really wanted to play it, but I never got the chance to. There was also a game, a stealth game. I think it was called like Velvet Assassin or whatever, where, where yeah. you played like 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 a sexy Catwoman type girl who would who would sneak up on on Nazis and melt away into the shadows. And uh, it seems like like historical magical historical revisionism for World War II would be really fun. That's why everyone likes Wolfenstein so much. Um, yeah. Well, when there's a good one, like half the series is good. Anyways, uh. Yeah, no, Wolfenstein, Brave New Order, I, whatever, Wolfenstein, The New Order. I, I, I really, really enjoyed the setting of that game. It was, like, fun and campy and silly, and it knew that video games were about, like, blasting things away and silly action scenes for fun. And Call of Duty knows that, too. And, and I feel like they were embracing that when, when going into these fictional uh, uh, sci-fi future settings. And so, like, going to World War II and acting like they're going to be all serious and sentimental and respectful feels a little disingenuous to me, as well as, like, stimulating my imagination less because there's not any cool wall running or jetpack boosting that actually yeah. made the multiplayer of at least advanced warfare genuinely fun and enjoyable and a uh, worthwhile pursuit of learning new wacky mechanics that, that put uh, fresh spins on tired formulas. Now, Now this is just like tired formulas and tired settings. I guess I guess normal people who don't remember stuff from 10 years ago might be less tired of it, but I'm I care enough to talk about it on the podcast, but but I I don't think I'll be really paying attention to this one from this point onwards. Oh, yeah, um sorry. Oh. I was just going to say um in in that vein of like older settings where you can't do movement stuff. Have you guys have either of you guys watched Attack on Titan? Mhm. Uh, I know the, new the, the like that's just the original one. Yeah, right? of course. Okay, oh, wow. uh, my wife and I just started it, and they do kind of interesting thing where it's kind of set in like it's like an age of pseudo technology, but it's more so old school. They have like cannons and muskets and shit, but they have these cool ass like like grappling yeah, hook like, like Spider-Man ropes. things that are gas. Pu- yeah, like. Even just doing something like that to your setting, like, it doesn't even have to be World War II. Just create fucking fictional War One that happens somewhere in, like, the 20s. But give people fucking, like, steampunk-ass grappling hooks. That's almost like, what Battlefield 1 is. <laughs> almost. You get horses in that game. Gray. But, but everyone has submachine guns, and in World War One, like... I don't know, 30 people did during the last month of the war. 
Yeah. I don't know. I I feel like I'm not against this game being made, though I think that there's also another side of the whole World War II thing that is kind of more a thing these days, especially with the political climate. Uh, dare I tread close to this topic? Uh-oh. But yeah, I've just been seeing a lot of things um, specifically from friends of mine who are Jewish being like, okay, the Nazis thing is kind of it's kind of run its course. Like, can we please stop talking about Nazis? Like, it's actually a serious issue. Like, it's actually a serious thing that it, we don't like to look back on too much. And I'm like, I I guess that's a very fair assessment. I mean, that was uh, that was one of the critiques I remember from the original um, World War Two trend. There, there was a, a zero punctuation review from uh, Yahtzee talking about how it seems very... Uh, like indulgently patriotic of American game studios to keep making World War II games about about Americans America killing blatantly evil Nazis and yeah. and and Yahtzee the British Australian was just like I don't know about you guys but in other media from other cultures your random German conscripted foot soldier who had nothing to do with the party was probably being depicted as less of an evil villain than they are in these American video games yeah yeah so i don't know i think there's a couple facets of that like it's kind of funny though a changing topic a little bit that we've gotten to the point where we're not even talking about can they just stop making call of duties and we're now talking about can they stop copying themselves and make a fresh call of duty i am one of the few people who i think was genuinely enjoying call of duty going into fictional settings like i i was I didn't end up playing it, but I was really interested in in Infinite Warfare for like having the balls to do a space battle in Call of Duty. I see no balls yeah. here. Where is the courage in doing a World War II uh, Call of Duty? The first I, half of the whole series is World War II. I, and I they're thought, calling it Call of Duty World War II. I thought they were going to go more and more ridiculous, kind of like the Fast and the Furious series, how they can... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's where it needs to go. Uh, we, we need Call of Duty to become the as silly and ridiculous as, as what the platinum games of FPS would be. Yeah. Give me fucking, give me Lovecraft inspired call of duty next time where you're just duking out with old ones and Cthulhu cultists. I'm still waiting for call of duty, ancient warfare. I guess I'll have to satisfy myself with for honor until then. Oh, for honor is freaking great. I, that one really came and went, but man, I had fun with that for, for a good like three going on four weeks while it lasted. Um, so, OK, speaking, this is something I wanted to bring up really, really quickly, but then we got to wrap. Sure. Speaking of making things go backwards in times to point where they weren't as good. I I don't know. This is going to be a contentious issue, but I think hey, what are you talking about? Just go. Just go. Uh, they're doing away with uh, recovering health passively. Oh, in the in the Call of Duty game. Yes, yeah. in Call of Duty World War II, oh. you cannot simply get hit, hide behind some cover, and heal up. You need to call upon your squad mates to get health packs, ammunition, and even covering fire. Ooh. Much like the uh, Medal of Honor Pacific Theater game from 2005 that was released for PC that wasn't even that good. It had a Warfighter. No, it wasn't a Warfighter. It was it was from the World War II glut. Um, Medal of Honor list of games. Uh, it had a really janky ass squad system where where you could uh, press a button to shout for a squad mate, a medic to to bring you a health pack, and it, uh-huh. it didn't work as well all the time. But it was an idea that people forgot about because it didn't work well at the time. But now now since history is repeating itself and we're going in circles, there's 
Someone trying to bring it back. Uh, Pacific Assault. Medal of Honor Pacific Assault sounds a lot... Didn't even know that existed. ...like uh, Call of Duty colon WW2. Huh. The, I mean, people in Call of Duty work together. Change up the mechanics, I guess. People in Call of Duty don't work together. Am I missing something? Not. Yeah, this is single player. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. It's like a call over AI. Yeah. NPC yeah. characters. Oh, Probably never gonna have a squad mind. system. Lost interest immediately. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's uh, that's that. That's our podcast. Yeah. There it is, and all its oh, like naked glory is spread out for you to, to gawk at. Yeah. Um thanks for thanks for listening. Uh if you want to find me specifically, Jimmy Sunder, you can find me uh at SunderCR on Twitter or dude.com slash SunderGamer. Uh new video in a couple of days. Sometime over the weekend, finally finishing it up. Um Where can we find you guys? Uh YouTube.com slash bunny hop show. Uh, YouTube.com slash my visual or you're kidding me www.dollarshaveclub.com slash tribes I'll be there just enter that code in you type it in a picture of Matt visuals bush will be there yes okay so thanks for listening and thanks for for listening through the ad Um, (laughs) we don't know what we're doing but I hope it was at least entertaining for you but also if you want to sign up sign up through there it helps directly support the show monetarily. Um, and that's a good thing for us uh, for making the show and we can make it better. Bye. So, yeah. Bye, everybody. Have a good Bye. bush. We love you. Shave it. Shave it.